Hey, how you doing? Assalamu alaikum. Peace. It's Imran here. Now, can you hear that noise in the background? Let me put the microphone closer. Any ideas what that is? Yeah, that's right. It's a fan. I'm sat here in front of a fan because it's hot. And over the next couple of days, it's forecast to reach 40 degrees. Now, I don't live in the Australian outback. I don't live in the Sahara Desert or the Middle East. I live in the north of England. We don't get 40 degrees. I mean, if you're not taking climate change seriously, you need to have, have a word with yourself. But anyway, this series, series isn't about that. Uh, but who knows, maybe I'll have to record something about how to have a loving relationship during a climate emergency or something. Um, right, uh, you might have noticed that I published an episode quite soon after the last one. Now, that is relatively new, isn't it? Normally it's months. So what's what's gone on here? Well, I am trying to prioritise this series for a number of reasons, uh, but the main one being that I'm getting more messages from people encouraging me to do so. And uh, I think it's now become a responsibility. I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoy doing them, but there is a responsibility to, once you've begun something like this, to follow through with it. And, um, and whenever there is an opportunity to speak to somebody interesting, I do take it and I do reach out. And I am always looking for people, interesting people, whether they be personal stories or expert opinion. Uh, I'm looking to bring those voices out through this this series in order to to benefit all of us, really, uh, to discuss things that are really discussed and to connect in ways which uh, which which help us to to have better relationships with uh, with our spouses uh, with our families and, and with our children uh, in that vein i reached out to a chap recently on linkedin uh, i saw his post i had a quick look at his bio and it, it just quickly became apparent to me that i need to talk to tafazal um, so tafazal mohammed is based here in the uk not so far away from me actually interestingly enough and uh, he is a certified life coach. He is also on his third marriage. He has children. He also has grandchildren. Not that, uh, not that you would you would guess looking at him, mashallah. And um, he he runs a service along with his his wife Victoria called Tea for Two. It's a great name actually. And Tea for Two sole objective mission is to help muslims who are single or married to to have better fulfilling loving relationships based upon the prophetic model and having just spent an hour talking to him i can see i can see why why he and and his wife have have decided to do this they have both lived uh, incredible layered lives and will have learnt an incredible amount along the way and have taken the time to become professionally qualified as well.
Um, so yeah, I guess this is two for one today. Not only are you going to hear a very deep and personal story, but you're going to hear about it from from a professional in the field. Um, it was great talking to to Faisal. He he opened up. He was vulnerable. He shared elements of his childhood, his previous relationships, um, his current marriage, and exactly what has inspired him and his wife to to run T for Two, and um, and what their hopes are for for the future. And uh, and you're going to hear a little bit about how uh, how you can benefit from from all of that from their their professional service, but even just listening to this you're going to better understand um, how you really should be looking to find a partner in today's world. And if you are married, how to actually cultivate a close and loving relationship for the long term. So it covers all bases in that regard. And I would definitely encourage you to set aside an hour of your time, sit back, stay cool and... um, and enjoy the discussion. As always, please do get in touch with your comments, your suggestions, your feedback, or even if you want to take part, if you want to record an episode with me. Uh, I mean, that's one of my bottlenecks, is is finding people who are willing to share their stories. Um, this platform is open open to all of you who are who are willing to do that. And of course, I treat everybody's story in a, in a sensitive way. You can contact me uh, divorced Muslim dad at gmail.com that's my email or you can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter via DMs at M-O-I-A-Z-A-M um, and just on that uh, you might notice that the vessel refers to me as Moazim uh, throughout this this episode um, I did message him during during uh, the recording to say listen to just refer to me as Imran but he was obviously reading my my handle um, and as we've never met before, I mean, that's that's cool. That's cool. That's not a problem at all. Um, so, yeah, sit back and enjoy season two, episode five, The Power of Love. Now this mountain I must climb Feels like the world upon my shoulder Through the clouds I see love shine Keeps me warm as life grows colder In my life There's been heartache and pain I don't know if I can face it again Can't stop now I've traveled so far To change this lonely life 
we'd um, been courting for four months. And alhamdulillah, through the process, you know, there were lots of different ways of uh, discovering each other, uh, so to speak, and, and getting to know each other. And uh, we, we ended up um, meeting for the first time after four months, and two days later, we had a nikah done. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, so <laughs> hang on, hang on. So, um, four months and you'd never met. We'd never met, no. And on the first moment you met, two days later, you were married? We were married, yes. And that gets everyone. Like, and they say, it just took you two days to marry. No, no, no. The, the process was four months, but we'd done all the right work uh, to get us to a point where we were certain about each other. The only thing that was left there, was that uh, if we'd lied to each other about ourselves and, 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 and therefore if we'd have seen something different to what we were saying, uh, it would have been off. But it was absolutely the, exactly the same way we were you know, uh, speaking to each other about. You know, we had video calls, uh, we had uh, the, the text messages, etc. We'd seen each other's families on video, etc. So we were 100% sure. So this, um, I'm guessing this your first... No, no, no. Marriage. No, no. So the backstory really is, and, and, and I guess that's why um, it led to a point where I personally was able to court somebody for this length of time. And give you another context, we were 4,000 miles apart. So she's from America, Minnesota, uh, right. the Midwest, and I'm from Leeds, UK. And uh, it's, it's uh, bizarre how we met. But the, the, the thing is that I'd been divorced twice. And so had she. Right. And, um, you know, we both had an experience. And I don't want to say any more, just in case uh, our exes at some point listen. Because they have every right to uh, reply. But, but we, we both had... Get in touch if you're listening. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> that would be an amazing episode for yourself, no doubt. Okay. Uh, but, but we both had a quote-unquote experience. And uh, what happened was uh, she, she kind of uh, put up a post once. We, we became friends on Facebook and there was only one mutual friend and he was in America. Uh, and I kept on popping up in her feed as somebody you should connect with. Somebody you should connect. She goes, oh my God, this, this, who is this guy? And, 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 then she, and then after that, she connected and stuff. And uh, we just uh, was watching each other. Like you do, you just watch people. Uh, you read their posts. And, and she put up uh, this post that really hit me hard. And uh, I reached out and, and back-channeled it and, and said, look, what you put up today was just like spot on. Um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about and uh, good on you and upwards and onwards uh, in a nutshell. Um, having said that, she person, you know, uh, it's my, one of my posts, she said it was very inspirational and stuff. I've, I've never so been you, one you, to, to reach you're, out. You're, you're saying she started it? She started it. Yeah, it was her fault, so to speak. <laughs> so uh, what happened was um, we we just uh, um, there was no intention for the Muslim. This is the thing. There was no intention for anything. Uh, I was kind of uh, done. Um, I'd, as I say, I'd hung up my gloves and retired now, thinking that's it. No way, uh, never again. Um, but. So, so what that led to was me not having any uh, hang-ups about communicating with anyone. And it was just about, oh, great, thanks for sharing that. I'll make some comments and stuff. And 
we began to then just have conversations about just different things. And uh, there was one point which was really, I think, pertinent to this conversation. One point where she asked me, she said, look, would you ever marry again? And, you know, this, uh, this man was, was um, uh, in that state, which I mentioned before. I, I, I said to myself, no, never again. And I said to her, look, I just don't think I could handle it again. I, I just don't have it in me. And at that time, I used to say to myself, uh, I'm a failure. My language has changed now because I'm a coach and, and I know why I was saying that. So I said to myself, you know, I've failed at marriage and, and I can't do this thing. I didn't say that to her, but in my you know, heart of hearts and my mind was saying that to me. So I said to her, I said, look, I said, uh, Victoria, the truth is, uh, I don't think I could handle it again. So she, st- she said, she said, um, Can, may I suggest something to you? I said, yeah, go ahead. And she said, uh, um, be guarded yet open in case a right person comes along. I said, can you say that again, please? Because it was like almost poetic. She goes, be guarded, meaning protect your heart, but yet be open in case the right person, you know, comes along for you. I said, oh, wow. I never thought of that before. That you give me permission to guard myself because I was, you know, scared. You know, that I'll experience pain again. I'll get hurt again. You know, I'll be down that rabbit hole again. All, All those kind of things. Uh, she gave me permission to have this balance between protecting myself and opening myself up again. And and that's when my energy shifted within. And, and I thought, ah, perhaps there's a possibility here. And so our conversations just changed a little bit. And we started to talk about, you know, likes, dislikes, you know, needs, wants, and all those wonderful things you talk about. And um, it, it just, just developed into a conversation that, you know, um, I think we get on really well. And some of those conversations were very, very deep. They, they, they weren't superficial things like, you know, uh, what do you like? Um, you know, how do you feel about um, children? We spoke about that. How do you feel about children, living, etc. It was actually asking the why questions, not what do you do, it's why do you do that? What's behind that? So we got to know each other on a, on a deeper level. So what came out uh, for us was our uh, views, uh, opinions, beliefs, and our values and our philosophy of life. And I think that's where the, the shift happened for both uh, Victoria and I, where we actually got to know the person you know, behind the name, behind the face. So we knew each other really well in terms of our... Uh, respective uh, view on life, our belief system, our uh, values, what we held really important and close to us, and you know uh, where we were heading in life as well. So it was all really philosophical, philosophical, and you know really quite deep. And that's why we were we were ready. Do you mind if I ask you a a skeptical question? Of course, of course. Hmm. Okay. So whilst you're speaking, then obviously I've spoken a lot about. Uh, my own experience of getting married mm-hmm. um, and also how how potentially people should be looking within the community to find people. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2022, what does that look like? Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because essentially the old kind of auntie networks uh, yes. 
people aren't particularly keen on them. No. Um, the possibility of running into somebody in your regular life in a yes. very natural people, I guess people want, but that's very difficult with the way that we live, very transient existence. We work in different places. There is a lack of yes. public space. There is a lack of community um, mm. for many people. Um, and that really just leaves people with the online space, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. so when you, were, when you were speaking then, mm -hmm. that, huh, this is interesting. You know, mm. Taff obviously has lived a life, right? And mm. you've been open enough to admit that you had given up on yeah. the idea of, of finding a, a partner again for the third okay. time. Correct. Um, and now it almost seems like a 180, right? That within the space of four months mm -hmm. with somebody across the world mm -hmm. uh, that you'd never met, mm -hmm. that you have got to a point where you are confident within yourself mm -hmm. to have made the right decision mm -hmm. to have married for a third time. And mm -hmm. so the hadith mm -hmm. about essentially how you really get to know somebody came to mind. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, that, you know, the hadith, right. Mm -hmm. So you essentially, you can live with them. Travel, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can travel with yeah. them mm -hmm. or you can do business uh -huh. with them. Gotcha, right. Yes, and yeah. I, I think those are the three. Yes. Now, I, whilst you were thinking, I, while you were speaking, I was thinking, oh, I wonder whether any, you know, Taff yes. and Victoria have fallen into any of these categories. And from what you're saying, that's mm. not the case. And that's not saying that's the definitive, you definitely don't know each other. But I'm just mm. curious, mm. what gave you the confidence right. to, to think that you actually knew this person and it wasn't simply uh, an invention of, of your own uh ideas fantasies okay right <laughs> yeah great question great question there was a business element to this and there was a risk involved so when it came to a point where i, I want to say a couple of things actually when it came to a point where i felt now this is getting serious i need to find out if this person is genuine i wired some money over to her and says here's the money for the ticket right she was shocked because I'd, I'd, I'd sent that money over thinking, oh, this man trusts me. Now, for me, I'll be honest with you, it was this thing that, okay, I'm sending over this money for the flight and a little bit extra. If she disappears off the face of the earth, Selavi is fine, alhamdulillah. At least I know now. But if she honors that and she's committed and she makes that effort to travel across the pond, 4,000 miles, it, it took, I think, 24 hours in the end to get from door to door. There's something there. So that was my acid test, so to speak, in, in one respect. But what was really um, revealing to me, my nephew, when I uh, visited him in London, actually, um, just after I divorced, um, he said something really profound to me. He saw my state, and my state was kind of uh, head down, uh, really feeling sad, looking sad, looking about 50% of the man I usually am. He goes, you know, these things happen, uh, uncle. And uh, can I give you some advice? I said, yeah, absolutely. He goes, don't go looking for anyone now. <laughs> and I looked at him, he goes, he said, just don't do it. I said, what do you suggest then? What, what, what should I do? Because I was open to some advice. He said, do what you love doing and she will come to you. 
Do what you love doing, and she will come to you. She will come to you. Explain. So he said, "Look, whatever you're passionate about, just do whatever you're passionate about in your day-to-day living, uh-huh. and that will resonate with her, whoever her is, whoever she is, and she ah, will come okay. to you." And he was so spot on. And I remember at the time I was working for a charity, and 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 I and I love doing charitable work. And I'd gone to Gambia, and uh, you know I'd d- done some uh, visits to these different schools and orphanages, and, and I had this one picture of me sat next to the orphans, and that was one of my Facebook posts that really inspired her. So I wasn't pretending to be anyone. There were no filters or you know potential smiles. In fact, I don't think I was smiling that much, but I was just posing for this 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 uh, shoot. But I tell you what, the, the, the image that really got her, and that's why my nephew's advice was just so beautiful. And I'll come on to a statement in a second. I developed this, this passion for the outdoors. I'd always had it, but over the years, you know, responsibilities take over and you forget your former self. You know, I, I used to be into martial arts, into weight training, into the outdoors, walks, etc. And I just, that just dropped by the side, all of them. And, and so I was doing them now and then. So I, I wasn't really uh, honoring my values of uh, this, you know, health and well-being. But what happened was I, I bought myself a, a Canon camera, um, like the, a professional, but like entry-level professional. And I remember going on a, a, a trip with, with my daughter and some colleagues from this charity. And uh, my daughter said to me, look, can I take a, a picture of you? I said, no, no, please don't. I, I'd never liked taking pictures. But she said, no, please, please, I want to capture this moment. So I'm there with this camera around my neck, this Canon camera, and behind me you can see this uh, this, this waterfall uh, or some scenery of, of greenery. And, and she snapped it, and I stuck it on Facebook eventually. Now, Brother Mozart, believe it or not, she actually got in touch with me. She goes, oh, uh, I noticed you... Uh, have a camera around your neck and you, and you are on the outdoors, tell me a little bit more about it. So I said to her, I, says, I have an, a, a newfound kind of interest of uh, capturing the environment with this camera. I really want to capture those moments uh, outdoors. And, and I love the outdoors. And the thing is that she, was a, she is a professional photographer. Oh, Okay. Subhanallah, she's a professional photographer, and the thing she noticed on my camera was my, my lens cap was upside down. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Even I'm, I'm on Facebook, it's all there. It's still there right now. But what happened was, I was doing what I loved doing, and she noticed that. And what my nephew said, I went, oh my God, wow. Now, she's not only a professional photographer, but mashallah, she's actually nationally acclaimed for her photography. Mm. And and so she's no ordinary photographer, and and that kind of you know that um, meeting uh, uh, of sorts you know in that domain of you know me doing what I love and her loving what I'm doing because that's her was something I couldn't have planned for. So the statement that I really uh, hold dear to, as amongst many statements, is the one by Carl Jung, and Carl Jung says that. The one who looks outside dreams, but the one who looks inside awakens. Mm. And the reason I love that is because 
pre-Victoria, before I started courting with her, my whole time after my divorce was about focusing inwards. I, I, I literally just, uh, I went from a, a phase of uh, being depressed because my uh, divorce actually led me to sleep on my young son's, uh, eldest son, sorry, uh, living room sofa. So I spent four months on his living room sofa, sofa surfing, basically. And my wardrobe was in my sports bag. And those four months were very depressing for me, to be honest with you. I had to really put on a front, you know, when I went to work and I went to the outside world. But inside, I was really uh, affected. And, and I give the analogy of a swan, you know, on the, on, on the surface of the water. It's, it's elegant. It's beautiful. It's got this, you know, gliding motion. But under the surface, the, its feet are flapping quickly and moving quick. So the inside of me was flapping, but the outside looked all calm and collected. And so my reality was that. But what happened was I, I, there was a moment, there was a switch for me, and I said, enough's enough now. I need to get out of this. And, and I started to go back into the gym, started looking after myself, I brought my, bought myself a, a new wardrobe. And for the first time after many years, I actually literally started to look after myself. And there was a, a point right at the beginning where I felt guilty, even pain. I remember at the time Pure Gym was £9.99, £9.99. I felt guilty about paying £10. And I thought to myself, my word, subhanAllah, I spend, I've been spending so much money on everybody else, but when it comes to me, I'm stingy. I can't even get to pay for myself. I have really got to a, a, into a bad, bad state and a really bad place. So that was a, almost like a, a, a measure for me, a barometer, as it were, that, you know, the temperature is quite down actually at the moment. So looking inwards is actually the solution to awaken. And once you awaken, that's when things will be seen differently. And, and I personally, as well as professionally, because I do coaching, 90 plus percent of the people that I come across actually have a problem with spending the time investing in themselves and looking inwards because mostly what they're looking for is a quick fix to get back on the, the market again, so to speak. Mm. right? And, and they want somebody else to, quote-unquote, fix them. And I say, you can't fix her and she can't fix you. You both have to do your own work. And when you both come together, you mutually choose each other. You can't fix anyone. And don't go looking for someone to solve your problems. I say, it's only you. You have to go inwards and, and really look at what's going on for you. Because what you don't repair will always move ahead with you, will always go with you, wherever you go. So if you don't solve your anger issues, you can't expect the next person coming along to you know, fix that for you. You have to solve those problems because you'll take them straight to the next relationship. And that's what I find the, the real work is people really getting past that denial phase that actually there was, I was culpable as well. There were some of my faults. You know, there were some things that I had, where I had flaws, you know, I need to fix X, Y, and Z. And when I accept uh, those flaws that I had and have, there's something I can do. But if I'm in denial, there's nothing for me to do. I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm fixed. So it, it's really um, uh, very introspective when we, we look at 
a relationship. So I, I don't say I fail. I say the relationship failed. Two people couldn't work it out. It wasn't just me. So the way I look at it now and, and tell people, I say, look, you have to take ownership of your responsibility, right? And you need to do the work on yourself to make sure that you are now healed from whatever it was, but also make sure that moving forward, you do the work that needs to be done to prepare you for the next phase of life. So, you know, you're saying that um, your level of introspection is, is needed. And I, I totally uh, agree with you. After your first mm-hmm. marriage, mm-hmm. did, is that when you had this realization or was it after your second? No, I didn't have that realization at all after the first. It was after the second. And I think after the first, um, I was totally naive in my understanding of relationships. And even after my second, I was still, even though I thought I knew much, even though I was able to help other people in their relationships, I actually, and I'm, I'm holding my hand up and being very vulnerable here, vulnerable here, I didn't understand it to the depth I understand it now, and I know why. It's because I myself had this, um, you could say, a sense of pride or a sense of arrogance that, you know, I can't be wrong. And so it's very humbling after the second one to face the reality, actually, you didn't get it right. Take responsibility for these things because if you don't take responsibility, you are definitely going to move forward in your life not healed from those things. You need to heal you need to repair the damage, you know, a lot of emotional stuff, psychological as well. And, uh, you know, I'm taking ownership of my, you know, uh, my own responsibility of my emotional well-being and my intellectual well-being. And, and you need to work on uh, yourself and make sure that you're healed. And when you are moving in the world and moving forward in the world, you're a person who is awoken. So I get where you're coming from because I had that perspective. I don't know why I had that perspective, but after divorce, um, which is over 10 years ago now, um, I realized that I had a part to play in the breakdown Mm -hmm. of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I realized that if I were to have another relationship in the same state that I would carry that over yes. into that. And so mm. I took the conscious decision of taking a step back and like you say, doing the work. I didn't know mm. what the work was, right? Mm. But I knew that something needed to change because what was going on within me mm-hmm. um, was, was un- there were certain things I needed to purge, certain negative yes. behaviors, mm. um, certain negative uh, ways of handling particular emotions, understanding my trigger points, yes. the sources of those trigger points, all exactly. of that kind of stuff. Now, yes. now, the question I have for you, so you coach, you know, you, you, you run T for two with Victoria um, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, you, you advise a lot of couples. So in your experience, why is it that people don't realize that something is fundamentally wrong with themselves? Is this simply to do with the ego? You know, well, I'd say it's not just the ego. I think there are many different reasons um, that can be 
the contributing factors, right? So it could be the ego, it could be uh, conditioning, it could be uh, the culture, it could be just the way someone's brought up. It's just their 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 views and opinions about you know the institution of marriage. So it could be a plethora of different reasons. But what's really important, no matter how we view uh, the state that we're in right now, what's really important is that no two days should be... And we know this is part of our faith. Every single day should be a day of improving something, even if it's 1%. And we know that rule about 1% aggregated you know, effect over the years, 37 odd percent. You know, we, 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 we just need to really think about how can I improve 1%. It could be the way I speak to people. It could be the way I don't speak to people. Maybe it's the way I use my body language. Maybe it's the way I help and so on and so forth. What's really important is that we're continuously looking at how we grow, right? how we evolve as an individual. When we evolve, we're still in the game, so to speak. When we stop evolving as a human being, we become stagnant, you know, and stagnancy doesn't help anyone. Any stagnant water anywhere is going to start smelling and, you know, it's not, not useful for anyone. You can't even drink that water, can you? But flowing water, right, gives life. You know, you, 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 can, you, can, you can drink it. So I think the issue is that we become stagnant uh, in relationships. We become complacent uh, and so it seems like sometimes the longer you're in a marriage, you become more and more complacent that this is, everything's great. You know, I don't even have to make an effort. So my key word now is to couples, remain curious about your spouse. Just don't t- take things for granted. Just don't, you know, just treat it like it's, it's, it's a done deal. No, remain curious. Ask them about their childhood. Ask them about what they love doing. Ask them what their dreams are. You know, for life, what will it be like when we're sixty? You know, just just have that fun, you know. And um, you know, well, my wife and I, Mashallah, she she uh, before we married, she'd been a Muslim for about eighteen months. Sorry, she she she, she reverted to Islam, so she'd been a Muslim for eighteen months. So before that, she was a Catholic. And uh, to give you some parallels, here, in the Catholic tradition, right, they have um, a certified course that you you have to do uh, an approved course as a catholic before they even marry you and and even at that point and intermarriage they actually pair you up with another couple who mentor you so what you do is you go as a couple into someone's home a real home and ask them questions around you know finances around children about managing expectations and all those wonderful things and, and part of her upbringing and what she used to deliver were things around uh, love languages, Gary Chapman, and facilitating workshops. So that picture that I gave you, you know, in Malaga, we're, we're on, the, on the rooftop, you know, having a, a, a cup of tea, both of us. Mm. It was that moment when I realized, subhanAllah, you know, I've got, we've got something here, but we have something for the ummah as well. Because... You know, we actually, I literally said to us, if I could bottle this feeling up right now, right now we'd be millionaires. Because g- given the backdrop of where I've come from, where she came from, it's like, it's, this is impossible. But with the right work and the right understanding and the right 
I think the ducks have to be lined up in the right way. What happens all of a sudden you see a different world. You're, you're, you're a changed person, but you're able to see the possibilities there right in front of you. And so, you know, um, when we started to talk about these things and she told me about her work that she did and, and love language and stuff, you know, I thought, well, I, 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 we sincerely believe that for us, Mashallah, we, we believe that there's a divine calling for Victoria and I. She's a grandma and I'm a grandfather, right? Oh, gosh, really? I'm the, yeah, alhamdulillah. I, I'm no spring chicken, brother. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, 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 my, my eldest son is, is 30. Sorry, I did not mean to say that. No, no, no. <laughs> I know, don't, gosh, oh, my sad. God. Subhanallah. Maybe you're on the wrong no, show, no. bro. <laughs> we haven't met, but I've seen a picture of you. And so yeah. that's why I was thinking, really? Oh, brother, if you saw my picture before, five years ago, I'd have been a different guy. You'd, you'd have said, this is not the same guy. And, and I think that's what it is, brother. I, I'm assuming now you think my pictures look okay. Sorry, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, um, on a serious note, um, I'm 57. My right. son is... Uh, you, you're not, you're not looking at it, bro. Alhamdulillah, you know, you know what it is? It, 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 and my, my grandchild, she's nine. And the thing is, she's a grand grandmother as well. Her son is thirty, so we, we're not, you know, she's much she's younger than me. But the thing is that that you you dream of anyone, or even conceive it. Someone's been divorced twice, and at fifty-two, they're thinking about getting married again. You see, oh, granddaddy, you know, come on, retire now, right? You've had your play. What's the point? You know. Mashallah, you know, we, we, we um, are mature people that you can gather that now, right? We're mature people. Being there, done it, got the T-shirt for it. And we, we, we got to a point where our, our conversations were now were mature on a different level, totally different level. And there came a point when Victoria and I were married, I think within the first several months, I can't remember exactly when, and I, and I just had this moment, this epiphany, and I said to her, I said, subhanAllah. And I never realized, and there's a, there's a story from my childhood, I'll share a little bit of that. I said to her, I said, something's come to my head right now and I have to share it with you. And I said, imagine, and a brother Muslim, I want you to think about this as well. When I'm saying this statement, I want you to put yourself in here and ask yourself that question, right? And I want you to share with me how you feel Right when that question is in front of you, right? You're asking okay. yourself that question. So, Brother Muslim, imagine being loved the way you love by okay. a spouse. By a spouse, imagine being loved the way you love. And for me, that was an impossible scenario because I know how I love people, I know how caring I am. I know how giving I am. I know I give my time, my energy, and everything else. But then I said to Victoria, I said, That's, this, is, this is you. I said, mm. I, I'm now being loved the way I love. And at this moment, I have to capture it right now with this statement. Because this statement just come to my mind right now because I feel this way. And for me, uh, Brother Muslim, it was actually liberating. To, to, for me to finally get to a point in my life where I felt safe. And the, the reason for that safety is, brother, the, 
the context is that when I was eight, my parents got divorced. And uh, myself and my two younger siblings, uh, they were seven and five, we all three of us got sent to Pakistan. I say sent because we were accompanied by a local villager. So we were on an aeroplane, not knowing where we're going, thousands of miles away. And we end up with a stranger on an aeroplane. And, and I tell people, look, that, you know, uh, you know, when you put your head uh, in the oven, when you open the door and you get this really hot, you know, wind rush in your face. Mm. Mm. When the doors of the aeroplane open in Pakistan, that's exactly what I remember. It's so vivid. I can remember it like yesterday. And that was my first experience of Pakistan. And we traveled probably three, four hours um, on these back roads, uh, not even A roads, probably B roads, you know, here. And we went to a village uh, called Jakswari, which was not even built up at the time. I stayed there two years. But what I didn't realize, uh, the Muslim, is this, that for 40 years, Four zero forty years. I actually held the trauma from that experience in my body, and that trauma was related to my sense of being abandoned, abandonment. And this this affected your your style of attachment. Subhanallah. There you go. So both my marriages were all about me fearing being abandoned again, and therefore that's a self fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Really, that, uh, uh, in the end, mm -hmm. your insecurity, mm -hmm. well, that's one of the reasons why yes. the relationships failed. Absolutely. My insecurity, and it's like, you know, when, when you tell off a child and a child clings onto your legs and says, no, no, baba, baba, it's not me, it's not me, right? Mm -hmm. They have this fear that you're going to push them away, but they still cling onto you. That's how I depict that image that that was me playing out this child uh, who feared being abandoned again and so what he didn't do he, di he didn't uh, stand up for himself or he wasn't confident enough to express himself he wasn't articulate enough because he feared all the time I wasn't conscious about this brother it was mm. in my deep deep subconscious right and, and my, but my body remembered those emotions and so it would protect me from you know that ever happening again and personally, I had to go through eight months of of one to one coaching with some 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 person in Australia. When did, I, when did when did you do that? I did that before I met Victoria, okay. and that and that was a beautiful thing about it because I, this was all part of the preparation. So she's the one who actually helped me to realize that's what happened because you know she, we went through like uh, it's called the origin story. So what is the origin of? You know your experience of life, and we went through this 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 wonderful journey, brother Muslim. And you know, I, if I was to to, to to share with people as as a grandfather, I used to cry on on the uh, uh, the Zoom calls. Uh, I used to cry when I was journaling. I was like, this this you know these moments would come to me and remember certain things in Pakistan, remember things in my marriages, and it was like the 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 lid had been lifted in terms of, you know, what, what had been suppressed for four, four decades. And, and, and so what really transpired at that moment when I said, imagine being loved the way you love, was that I finally arrived. 
I've mm. finally arrived when I've come, I have come to terms with that was in the past. And that child who felt abandoned was a strong child because he coped, you know, given the scenario he was in. But he's not that same child anymore. He's a grown man. He's wise. He's strong. And he's able to understand things better. So I, I, I was able to, with, with her help, uh, actually draw an image of um, a child who was eight. And the label I gave him, he was an abandoned child. This was me drawing myself. And then when I came back to the UK, I, w I, I felt I was neglected. So those teenage years played into my sense of belonging as well and relationships. And so this man who's 50-odd now, he actually had both his arms around these two children saying, it's okay. And in the, in the middle of uh, his chest was this S, which represented Superman. <laughs> this is me. You drew this. I drew this. Yeah, I still have it on my wall. I look at it every now and then to remind myself I, I, I'm this person now who has arrived, who is more in tune with his emotions, who is, he, he sometimes still will go into that mode because that's how life is. When I'm not consciously thinking about what I'm doing or what I'm saying, he'll, in, in a split moment, go into that mode again. But then he realizes, ah, it's my defense mechanism kicking in again. I'm feeling abandonment and my attachment style comes to play and it, it, you know, it agitates me a little bit. And then I have to breathe and I have to take a few moments and say, it's okay, Taffy, it's okay, it's okay. And so these things, brother, are where the real work is for me. You're never the finished product, never. You know, we're always work in progress, but our work in progress is always towards a defined, you know, end. The trajectory is clear. I know where I'm going. And, and, and therefore, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful because that introspection, that learning, that, and she used to say, you know, lean into your emotions. You know, when you feel, when you have these feelings, lean into them because they're trying to tell you something. Emotions are a messenger. Try to decode that message. What is that message for you? And it works. It's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable when you feel down, when you don't feel great, when you feel like you're being abandoned again or, you know, somebody's going to leave you. But when you lean into it and try to, you know, um, have those moments with yourself and try to unpack what's going on at the other end is, Ah, okay, I feel like it's because of this. It's okay. So you talk to yourself and then you're back, inshallah, back on track again. You know, listening to your, your story um, in, in terms of how you got together with Victoria mm -hmm. um, and the fact you've been married a couple of times previously, mm -hmm. you know, in some ways, somebody listening to it could simply dismiss it as, well, you just got lucky this time, mm -hmm. right? They could. Because if you if you if you know if I feed back to you what I hear, it's like you weren't really looking, right? No, so that yeah. that go that goes against convention because you know in the community when you're when you're looking to get married, you are looking, right? Yes, so you yes. are very much putting yourself out there, mm -hmm. um, and everything seems to be very CV orientated. Um, you know, the old school way used to be bio data. You know, yes, the yes. kind of the, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Indo pack. And yeah, yeah. in the modern way, it's just the modern CV, which is the online profile, 
right? Yes. But what you've done is totally against this convention. Yeah. And, you you know, what what would you say to somebody? Say you got lucky, you know, and mm. the fact that you've only... Yeah. You know, again, you've only known you haven't you haven't really got to know each other in person. You know, you yeah. basically have exchanged messages and some some mm -hmm. video calls, and it's only been four months, mm -hmm. and now you're married, and it's like, yeah, alhamdulillah, good for you. But you know, yes. how can anybody how can anybody plan for that? Um, you you can't, and that's what that's what I say. So I would say, yes, lucky, but it's divine luck. <laughs> it's not any luck. It's not my luck. I I would I would agree with somebody um uh when they say that because i understand it from their lens you know they're seeing it a certain way but because we've been through it and we literally uh brother muslim just before i took this call i was speaking to my wife about you know how uh singles how they present themselves and this bio data sheet is all about facts and figures i've got gcse's i've got a levels i've got a degree now we literally um, within a few minutes can dissect a bio sheet right, of someone and, and, and tell them, actually, what you're saying here doesn't even represent you. Uh, and an example last week I'll give you, there was this chap who has been on the circuit for many years, is in his late 30s, still looking, never been married uh, before, and he's been to event after event, there's loads of WhatsApp groups and uh, also um, uh, uh, matrimonial sites. He's not having a look. Mm. So I said, send me your bio. And whilst we were on the phone, I picked three things for him. I said, you, you say something really simple here. I'm, I'm meaningful for you, but I can translate that to something else. I says, when you want somebody who's fun, and loves life, what does it actually mean? Mm. To you, it, it means something, but to them, it might not mean anything, or it might mean something in their context. I said, you've got to describe what fun looks like. And so when you talk about, you know, being a, a person who's faith-driven, that's what you want them to hear. But what does that mean to you? What does it look like when you're faith-driven? I want you to describe, not that you're faith-driven, but what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis for you? And so when you start doing those things, what you're, you're showing people or showing the other person is that it's not what he does, it's why he does it. What are the drivers for him? So the question that I asked Victoria, so we always say now, you ask a question without asking a question. It, it's, it's totally against the, the way we do things these days. And, and, and the thing is that you can download 300 questions to ask uh, a perspective. We say those things are conversation starters, full stop. You don't get to know someone, quote unquote. You get to know something about them, but not know them. So I wanted to establish if Victoria was purpose-driven or lazy. Now, how do I ask her that question? How do I establish if she's somebody who's driven or not? I have to first conceive the idea that there is something that a person that should have, that should be around purpose, right? So that's my own level of, you know, aspiration that I want to be driven. I don't want an ordinary quote-unquote person who doesn't have a purpose. It's kind of go with the flow. No. So I asked her, because I know she's a professional photographer, but 
I don't want to kind of mention that. So I said to her, or I asked her, should I say, I asked her, I said, if you had all the money in the world and you had no commitments around work and stuff or, you know, you could do anything you wanted to do, what would you do? Straight off the bat, she said, oh, straight away, she goes, my photography. Hmm. Now she said photography, but now it's not about what you would do. Remember, I always keep saying why. So, you know, remember I keep saying about, it's not about the what, it's about the why. Yeah. So it's not, so the what is all about having a conversation. The why is about having a dialogue. Okay. So just, just on this. So this is the point you guys have met. What I'm thinking about is uh, people are struggling even to meet people to get to that stage. Mm -hmm. You know, they, mm -hmm. they can't even get to meet people. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to summarize what I understand of your experience, because I think we possibly share the same perspective. And that is to live to your highest values yes. and to make yourself in some way visible. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there is the idea that, oh, Bismillah, Allah will provide for me when he decides. And yes, of course, that is true. But Allah mm. also requires you to make an effort, right? Yes, yes. So what a lot of people do now is they put huge amounts into the effort through various sites and events, etc. Mm -hmm. um, but none of these really allow the opportunity to really share your highest self, your yes, true self. Exactly. And, and so essentially what you've done here, kind of inadvertently, but you've now realized it, mm -hmm. um, you had that advice to basically live your best life, mm -hmm. right? And yes. the right woman will find you. Yes. And so that's what you did. You to, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a case of being perfect because obviously the work is ongoing, but you did yes. the work, you, you were aware of your shortcomings. You got mm -hmm. to a level where you thought, I'm happy with myself. Mm -hmm. And you basically... Uh, put yourself out there and it caught the eye. It caught the eye of Victoria. Yes. That initiated a conversation. Yes. And then that's the point at which you're able to then really explore yes. who you're dealing with. And that's kind of the, the bit that you're talking about. Essentially, it's not about what you're like on paper. It's actually what are you like as a person? What values do you hold? How do you express these? Exactly. And then you can move into the other areas such as okay love languages yes. right and yes. and how you express love to the other person and how you receive love from that am I, am I on the right track here 100% and 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 the problem we have and i say it's problem in, in in capital letters the problem we have is this now one in three americans muslim sorry one in three not americans one in three muslim american muslims get divorced right yeah. 80% of those, when they were questioned, you know, did they have any pre-marital education? They said no. 80% of them had no pre-marital education. Now, I want this thought to be something that people ponder over. We prepare for a marathon for, say, six, seven months, right, to run a marathon. We will take driving lessons to drive a car. We will do a degree in engineering or to become a medical doctor, eight years or something. Why is it that we think that when it comes to marriage, we can walk straight into a marriage without any preparation? I'll tell you why. I'll mm. tell you why I think that's the case. I think it's a fault of popular media. Right. 
I think right. it's I think it's the music, it's the books, it's the films mm-hmm. that paint yes. the picture yeah. of love saves the day. Mm-hmm. Love is the be all and end all, mm-hmm. and that when you fall in love, mm-hmm. that is all that matters. Yes, yeah, exactly. and, 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 and and my belief is that you know love is practical. Yes, you know yep. there is you know it's it's a verb, it's a doing action, thing, absolutely. Yeah, you know and. Yep. You know, yes, you may feel very deeply for somebody, but it's a fragile thing, mm-hmm. and it requires work, constant yeah. work. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, that's what Gary, and, Chap- Gary Chapman says the same thing. He says, "Love's not the emotion; it's the action." Are you saying I should write a book? Mashallah, I think you should with it. No, seriously, <laughs> no, I think I, I think I do a podcast. That's enough. That's enough. That, yeah, that's hard enough in and of itself. But but, but this is it. I mean, that, that statement itself is revolutionary because. What you're saying is that the, 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 the popular, um, you know, cultural understanding of, of love, right, or how it's depicted in, in, in popular media, right, is the way forward because everybody thinks, yeah, we're going to get, you know, I'm going to f- on kind of thing. But, but you know, it, it, that's not the truth. The truth is that, that, that you need to have love and connection with somebody. But it's not enough to get you by because when life hits, it really hits hard. So it, there needs to be more than just this feeling and you're, you know, inferring, you know, in fact, you're very open. It's action. Mm. And, and how does one demonstrate action? You know, the, 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 there's a process of actually you've got to know for yourself, what does love mean for me? I, I, I have this statement with the Muslim, you just reminded me of it. I always say that the, the greatest expression of love is self-care. Mm. If I can't care about myself, then what is this love I'm talking about? The greatest expression of love is self-care. Mm. And that comes back to that thing when I couldn't spend £10 on myself. I didn't have no sense of self-care. for my, You know, it was just like finished. We have to go inward. You know, like Jung says, you know, to awaken to the fact that I am the most important person on this earth right now. In fact, Allah has given me this life and has given this to me as a trust. I've got to look after myself. Yeah? Uh, mm. You know, even that verse, Save yourself and your family from the fire. Save yourself is stated first. You can't mm. save other people if you can't save yourself. And in fact, you either become the strongest link in your family or for the people you love or the weakest link. And in order to become the strongest link, you have to strengthen yourself. So, yes, this emotional thing about love, is it, it sounds dandy, sounds great. You know, it's all rainbows and unicorns, right? But mm. it's, it's, it's not that. The reality is different. There's the, you know, I'm not saying that people shouldn't have love. Love exists. But there are many other things alongside love that you need to make sure that you understand. And here it goes. The evidence is there that you need to know who you are, what your core values are. And I say you don't, you don't identify your values from a list. You know, I did my coaching course in 2010, brother. Like, this was like, forget COVID, it was 12 years ago. Right, and I used it on and off in my work. I never used it as a, a, an official coaching capacity as we see these days. 
but I got I got retrained again a couple of years back. Now in 2010, I remember there was a really high flying course. I paid 1,300 pounds for it, and it was like the business. There was a matrix that you had to go through this tool to identify your core values. When I look back at that, it it it, it was rubbish, totally rubbish, because you don't identify your values from a list. Mm. You uncover your core values. They're deep inside of you. You it's it's your core, and what you do. What's happened is basically over the years, your your core values have had a bit of dust from here, a bit of dust from there. You know, influences. You know, you you've had primary socialization, you've had secondary socialization, and all this has has had an effect on you and who you've become. So what you got to do is you got to start peeling those onion layers and start uncovering who is tough. And then when that happens you realize my bio data sheet was just talking about my O-levels. Back in the day, it was O-levels and GCSEs. Not GCSEs, sorry. So it, it's not about, you know, the accolades I have. It's about who am I as a human being. When I know who I am as a human being and when I'm confident in the skin that I'm in, that projects a different energy to the outside world than someone who's just not really put together that well doesn't hasn't done the work gets angry off the fly uh, puts a you know a really good you know image on for people but behind closed doors they're kind of kicking off and uh, they want their food on time and, and, and whatever you know all those other things mm. and I'll give you actually another example of um, you know expectations and how these expectations are sometimes not met so there was uh, my wife and I did this survey about past relationships and the causes of breakup and the three top things that came out, what people were expecting. Now, let's, let's frame this. Muslims walking into a marriage expecting three things. Top thing was honesty. Now, who doesn't want somebody's honesty? Everybody. Uh, faith practice. We want somebody who has faith. And the third thing was kindness. The problem with all that was that they didn't define what honesty means and how honesty can be seen in a person or what faith really looks like on a day-to-day basis, right? And how kindness is demonstrated. Because the question we asked after that was, what were the reasons for your breakup? Now listen to this. Top reason for a breakup, brother. Narcissism. Mm. Narcissistic tendencies. How can you be with somebody and not realize that they're a narcissist? Because you didn't, the courting process wasn't thorough enough. The biodata sheet didn't pick that up. It won't pick it up. But when you do the work on yourself, you know exactly the type of questions you need to ask. You can talk about attachment styles without talking about attachment styles, right? Yeah. You could talk about anger issues without talking about someone getting angry. Second one was somebody who wasn't caring about that feeling. So this person didn't have any empathy. No empathy at all. How do, you, how do you determine if something empathetic or not? You've got to ask those questions. And the truth of the matter is, Brother Muslim, people find it uncomfortable to ask those difficult questions. And we say, no. Know yourself and be able to ask the questions in a sensitive way, but ask the right questions and you know what you're looking for. They don't necessarily have to know what you're, what you're asking. And there's an art in that and there is no downloadable questions for this. It's very bespoke, very custom to the person. And the third reason was physically abusive. 
So look at look at the disparity between expectations, right, and then the reasons for breakup. Yeah, it's um, it's I mean it's, it's obviously very sad, and those stats mm. from the US, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of heartbreaking, really. But and I guess it's, we probably have a similar situation yes. here in the UK, and you know, I do, I do think about the world that we're living in now and who we are as communities, mm. you know, as minority Muslim communities in, in Western countries, yes. many of us. And, um, you know, now we're second generation, third generation, sometimes yes. fourth generation. Um, and what you see is a kind of a, a disconnect, yes. you know, a disconnect between the first generation and the second. And that's kind of understandable in some ways because our parents came and they simply had to survive. Yes, right? exactly. they came from different places, and their goal, their ideas around marriage were very different, right, mm. to the ideas that have been infused into their children, and so the primary kind of modelling of what a relationship is, which is your your parents, yes, this is something that people do carry with them, and they 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 partially rejected mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. and they think that because they've rejected it and they've adopted something different, that it automatically is the case that the way they want things to be is the way things will be. But mm-hmm. what you grow up with is essentially what you are, yes. right? It's essentially what you learn. And either in, in life, essentially, you have two opportunities to affect change in your life, right? And the vast majority of people need something traumatic happening in their yes, lives in order exactly. to face up to the yeah. need to change. Whereas a minority of people are able to see tomorrow, today. Mm-hmm. Right. And they are able to say, you know what, I carry things with me from the way I've grown up, which is not going to be healthy moving forwards. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the younger generation faces this challenge. Right. It is simply modeling what they have grown up with. And then that's infused mm-hmm. with the society within which we live. Yes. And I guess it's no wonder that especially our generation, the mm-hmm. second uh, generation you know it was largely confused you mm. know in terms of its identity its values mm. um yes know, it's, it's its sense of sense of belonging mm. and so when you when you get married in that state of mind mm. right it's kind of no wonder that people are going to suffer in their in their relationships you know mashallah yes. to all of those people who had a parental model which was transferable to their lives. Yes, twenty twenty two. Yeah, you know, mashallah, yeah, yeah. you are blessed if mm, that was the case. Absolutely. But a lot of us mm. did not. Vast majority did not have that. And on top of that, mm. our families came from, uh, you know, quite traumatic backgrounds. You know, yeah. they had to go through so much. You yes. know, my personal, you know, personally, my family. You know, half of my family went through partition. Oh, subhanallah! Right. You know, yeah. and yes. yeah. and. You can only imagine, you know, we know the stories. Yes. But you can only imagine what that does mm. to your, st- your sense of self and safety. Of course. You know, yeah. Your, yeah. You know how much you trust in the world. And yeah. then you're going from there mm. to here. And at the time, as we both, you know, both know, our parents suffered from incredible racism. Yes, yes. You know, we complain of racism now, but it's, it's a different type. Then it was just full on. You know, and yeah. then what that does to the family unit and all of this kind of trauma carries through to individuals. It does. And it makes, I guess what I'm saying is it makes it more, even more important yeah. that we recognize these things, we resolve these things before yeah. we look to establish 
you know, um, a marriage, you know, for the long term, you know, and a a healthy relationship for the long term. No, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. And and what came, um, Marshall, you just kind of reminded me of the thing that what came out of my own personal experience and that healing uh, and obviously my coaching is I, I created a model called ARC. And, and I mentioned this deliberately because I think it's going to be very helpful for people to understand that there, there is a process of healing, particularly those people who have been in, in a marriage or even if they were courting for a long while and it didn't work out. You know, I, I, I know actually people who were engaged for a long time and it didn't work out in the end and, and they've been traumatized that they've been, you know, going through something. And the ARC basically stands for accept uh, and acceptance is becoming aware of what actually happened you know what was you know your role in this breakup if there was one or not uh, r is for you know to repair yourself so any residual damage that's still there you know emotionally physically even for some people it's a spiritual damage right to repair that do the work go inside start to awaken and then see the arc bit is to create and cultivate a new way of doing things, you know, create yourself as this new identity and start to, you know, um, uh, start to grow and start to evolve as an individual. And it's powerful because when people go through this, they realize there is a process, but you've got that thing. If you don't heal it, it'll go with you. you there is a process through you got to go through, which is about healing. And whether we like it or not, whether we're cognizant or not, everyone who goes through a breakup has a form of loss. It's a loss, whether it's a big loss or a small loss. And with it, it carries a small T or a big T, small trauma or big trauma. And that needs to be dealt with. When it's dealt with, then there's a chance for you to move forward in a healthy way and then you can open yourself up to the possibility actually i deserve i deserve love and i deserve affection and i deserve connection and i deserve to have a wonderful life with someone now brother Moses, imagine this imagine you know because you're saying that and i know the fact as well that you know so many don't have the exposure to someone uh, as a potential Imagine if you were to do the work on yourself and you were to find your ideal life partner. How much is that worth? How much is it worth for you to know tonight that when I go home, there's my ideal person who loves me the way I love them, who I feel safe around, I feel secure around them, I I can be vulnerable with them and they won't bite my head off, right? They understand that when... I'm being vulnerable, I'm trying to express something and they don't have to get defensive and say, I understand you, I empathize with you, I'm with you, you know, I'll support you, I'll do whatever you want, I'll hold the space for you right now. What's that worth? It's priceless. So isn't the work important? Absolutely. It's just, it's a no-brainer to work a short while, but to have this the rest of your life, inshallah, just peaceful. Because at the end of the day, what we're looking for is we're looking for someone to be by our side who we can trust, feel safe around and have peace and have fun with them and, 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 and start to feel the sense of fulfillment. You feel fulfilled finally that I, I, I have a companion 
a companion. And, and, and you know, if, for, for just to mention one thing, you know, the, um, uh, the Prophet, وسلم, you know, said about uh, Khadija, uh, he, he said that, you know, and, and this is so, so important because just to share again with the um, uh, vision of Tifa 2, and um, our vision for Tifa 2 is inspired by this hadith. And the hadith is that Prophet mentioned, he says, I was nurtured by her love. And people have questions, why are you talking about love? I said, look, Prophet himself is saying, I was nurtured by her love. Love is so important to have love. So our vision inspired from that is that our vision is to see every Muslim couple thrive in love. We want every Muslim couple to thrive in love. Not just have love, but to thrive in love. And to feel it as much as possible, like the Prophet felt it, you know, with his wife. It's beautiful because, you know, that, 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 he's the best of creation. He's the best of example. He leads the way for us. You know, if, if he says that's, you know, the description of someone nurturing, that's it. And therefore, you know, when we talk about relationships, that we, we see that as a, as a man, I know that a woman is able to nurture me. But the thing with me is that I've got to be able to be open to it and allow it to happen. And I think that's where the block is, Brother Moses, I'll be honest with you. If we only as men open ourselves up and have that vulnerability where we allow our, you know, significant other to be able to nurture us and that's a challenge speaking with Tafazzal is best described as experiencing a cool breeze on a hot summer's day <laughs> that's how you feel after you've you've spoken to him don't you feel relaxed? I felt relaxed. If you'd like to find out more about what he and Victoria are doing, then go to tifa2.uk. Uh, you can sign up to their email newsletter. Or if you're feeling adventurous, you can go on to Clubhouse, which is the social audio sharing service. And you can sit and listen to the two of them speak live every Sunday. And essentially for an hour, they pick a topic and they discuss it between themselves. And then they invite people in the audience to come up on stage and to share their thoughts or to ask a question. It's really an amazing interactive way of getting up close and personal um, to, to Victoria and Fazal. And it's great. It's 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 a very intimate kind of experience. Very difficult to describe, but once you once you've been on the platform, you realise what I mean. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, the next episode is on its way, and just to give you a little teaser, it is with Ilias, and it's probably the best discussion that I've had with him on this podcast series. And we are talking about the very serious topic of addiction. 
Now, when you think about addiction, when I mention the word addiction, what comes to mind? Is it junkies? Is it drugs? Is it drink? Well, addiction is multifaceted and essentially we're all susceptible to it, either in a small way or in a significant way. And in that episode, Elias covers all of it because he is in his absolute element. This is what he does day to day. And um, anyway, I said I wasn't going to spoil it. It's, it's, it's an incredible discussion and I absolutely loved it. So look out for that. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Assalamu alaikum.